I, I think the first challenge is working out what it is that you want to say. What's the message? What, what have I got that's valuable? You know, I think people really respect the time that other people have. And if you're going to be standing on a stage and speaking in front of 100 people for 10 minutes, there's a thousand minutes of time that you are suddenly in control of and you can dictate. Working out the, that core message, that core idea that you want to share is a really important start. I, I, I guess hand in hand with that goes purpose. Right? Why, why is it that you're looking to speak? If you're looking to stand on stage to stroke your own ego and tell everyone how good you are, suggest you don't. If you can come on and realize that this can be about something bigger, this is an opportunity to create that ripple effect. Actually, what you find is even those people that don't enjoy speaking, you know, I definitely put myself into that category. You'll do it because the after effects of that are just worth it afterwards. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys watching or listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever. And now it'll allow us to bring on bigger guests and ask the questions that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. My name is Sin Sadzadeh. Thank you so much for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Sina, good to be here. It is lovely to chat to you. And uh, I think we were, like, we were talking before we hit record. Public speaking is one of those topics that so many people despise and yet is so important for young entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs of all ages to be able to succeed in their business. I guess um, before we kick off with, you know, helping people when it comes to public speaking, how did you get into it? <laughs> Dude, I, I fell into this. If I'm completely honest with you, I don't like public speaking either. <laughs> Uh, I, I got into this because I didn't really have a choice. And uh, long story short, straight out of university, I ran a charity fundraising agency. And uh, my co-founder decided that spending three months on the road, speaking at universities uh, five days a week was how we were going to recruit our staff. And we grew it to 250 people. I was speaking every single day, three months of the year seven years in a row. That was my boot camp. And that was where I learned. But before that, I was not the guy who would be like, just give me the mic. I'll do the toast <laughs> for this meal, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's never been like that. But what I have seen is done well, it can have a profound impact on your career, your personal brand, your business. And so while I have to do a fair amount in my job now, it's not the process of going through it that I really care about and I get excited about. It's the, the domino effects, that ripple effects that happens afterwards. Mm, so let's talk about that because I, I obviously want to talk about why people find public speaking so terrifying. But I think even before that, it's like, why is public speaking so important? And you obviously touched on a couple of there, a couple of there but why is public speaking so important? <sighs> It only takes one talk for incredible things to happen. And I, I used to run one of TED's conferences, TEDx Clapham, for a number of years. And I, I guess where this really came to light was one of the first speakers I had on stage was somebody called Isabel Chapman. And 
she was two or three years out of university, had no right to be speaking on a stage like that, quite frankly. But we met at a party. I was introduced by a friend. And when I became a TEDx curator, I was constantly getting pitches for talks, and most of them were no good. And I got introduced and said, you need to have Isabel speak on your stage. I was like, oh, here we go again. What kind of pitch are we going to get this time? So I said, what do you want to speak about? Sort of feigning some interest. And she just goes, I want to change the perception of sexual assault. Oh, suddenly that was really interesting. It was one of the first pitches that I'd never heard that I'd ever heard that wasn't about her and her ego. It was about something bigger. So six months later, she was on that stage. Two years later, I get a call saying that her talks played a part in changing government legislation. And you just think that is extraordinary. And time and time again, I see uh, talks on stages delivered to the right people or recordings of talks that have gone up on YouTube or on social media that are, are changing people's, genuinely changing people's lives. And, and that is incredibly rewarding. Mm. That's, that's amazing. I've never heard a story like that before when, yeah, that's incredible. So you talk about the impact, but I guess like even for you as a personal, like a personal brand, it can have profound impacts on yourself, your business, your network. It can have, you know, so it, the ripple effect is huge. The ripple effect is huge. And, you know, maybe it can be so you'll never actually, tr I think one of the sort of exciting things, you never actually truly will understand what the ripple effect of a talk might be but there might be one sentence that you say in a talk or in a presentation that sticks with somebody for decades afterwards but then we also do hear from people who it's you know who these things have had a profound impact on too uh, what, what i find really interesting is the majority of leaders i do a lot of work with startups and scale-ups at the very top level a lot of them haven't had any formal speaking training before. And I find it surprising because it's such an important part of their job. You know, their job is to cast visions, inspire teams, sell products. And while I don't think speaking is the most important skill, you can build a company, scale a company. You don't need to get on stage to do that. But if you can, and if you can talk about what you do well, you'll get there quicker. It's this advantage that, that you can have and, and, and draw from. The, the interesting thing I find about public speaking is that you might have two individuals. One is a very good speaker, one maybe not as good of a speaker, but they both maybe have the same intelligence and stuff like that. But I feel like the one that's a good speaker, more people are drawn to that individual. And so you can captivate people, you can, you can sell them your vision, you can do all these different things just because you're a good speaker, not because of intelligence levels or anything like that. And that's what I find really interesting is if you crack this code, you can change a lot of things about, about your life, about other people's lives. Um, and that's why I really wanted to get you on the podcast, Alex, because I feel like this is a very good skill that people should, should, should work on. Now, our audience, the, the people listening right now, young people, who want to learn about public speaking, of course. Now, what do you see the challenge for young people when it comes to public speaking? I think the first challenge is working out what it is that you want to say. What's the message? What, what have I got that's valuable? You know, I think people really respect the time that other people have. And if you're going to be standing on a stage and speaking in front of 100 people for 10 minutes, that's a thousand minutes of, of time that you are suddenly in control of and you can dictate. I think working out the that core message, that core idea that you want to share is a really important start. And 
I, I guess hand in hand with that goes purpose, right? Why, why is it that you're looking to speak? If you're looking to stand on stage to stroke your own ego and tell everyone how good you are, I suggest you don't, <laughs> right? But if you can come on and realize that this can be about something bigger, right? This is an opportunity to create that ripple effect. Actually, what you find is even those people that don't enjoy speaking, you know, I definitely put myself into that category. You'll do it because the, the after effects of that are, are just worth it afterwards. So I, I guess the question is, is what idea can you share that can change the way people think or feel, behave? And if you start with that idea, that might be the impetus that m makes you think, you know what? Maybe it is time to start putting myself out there. And it's one of the reasons why I think entrepreneurs make great public speakers. And, and, and particularly those starting a business should really try and hone on this skill, not just because it's going to help you land investment and so forth, but it's going to help you scale the impact that your business can have. And I don't know about you. I'm sure you've, you've been to enough conferences and uh, seen some fairly dreary tracks from time to time. But those people who are doing the things that they're talking about, they're the ones who've got that, that spark. And you're drawn into them because they're speaking from experience rather than because they've read a book. Mm, mm, I've, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, and I guess like the, the other side of, of the story, I guess like we talked about the challenges of young people, but why do people find it so challenging in the first place? Like, why do people find public speaking so difficult, like as a mental thing? I mean, it's it's pretty triggering. When we were cavemen and women, if you were going to stand in front of, I don't know, even like 20 people, you're putting yourself into a, quite a risky situation. The, that fight or flight response gets triggered. And I found out the other day that, you know, you may have come across the fight or flight response before, but there are actually five Fs. It's fight, flight, flop, freeze, or fawn. <laughs> And I don't think you're going to flop on stage. I've never actually seen anyone collapse on stage, but I've definitely seen people freeze. And I've definitely seen people try and people please to the crowd. And, and you know, they're often going on with this real desire to be liked. And actually, I, I wrote in my newsletter a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago on this. You don't need to be liked to be a great public speaker, which I appreciate is counterintuitive. But I think if you can go on to, into any speaking engagement that you do, uh, purpose-driven and, and focused on that purpose and that change that you're trying to create. You'll have some people that jump on that bandwagon with you, but you'll have others that won't. But we have this innate desire to be liked. And that is where a lot of the, the fear and the nerves and the worry come through. Uh, and I guess the final point on that is we don't often put ourselves to the test, right? We don't often put ourselves in these situations where we feel exposed. So almost counterintuitively if you can regularly put yourself in front of a group of people and just practice speaking and make it you know it can be a safe environment that you that you do that but if you can practice speaking and start working out what opinions do i have and what what, what is it that i really believe in and start sharing those things interestingly your confidence will improve and increase but the, this this i, I wrote in my book that confidence is, uh, it's a work in progress. Very, very confident people get nervous too. And if I think back to 
some of the TEDx events that I ran, we used to have Olympians, people who've won, you know, medal-winning Olympians. They're used to performing under pressure. The difference between how they look on stage, which is very calm, composed, versus what they're doing behind the scenes, sweating, panicking, just shutting themselves up into a dark corner, you know, uh, it's very, very normal to experience these nervous, this nervous energy. But if you can learn to counteract it, it it's kind of like a superpower. And bear in mind, these are like athletes, right? That you're talking about. I, I, and these guys are, you know, they're used to performing on a stage and right. on a very public world stage. And uh, that's what I find very interesting. And I've seen studies where these, these Olympians or, or footballers, athletes, whatever, um, they have to go into a different medium of just talking in front of a crowd. And that crowd must might even be like 5% the size of what they're actually used to. But it's it's still for them so nerve wracking. It's so, so difficult. And I think like people listening um, can take massive solace in that because it's like if they're finding it nervous, you finding it nervous is is extremely normal. And like, I think what you said, challenge, challenge, challenging that energy into a positive one is is good. But the one point I want to pick on where you, you said it's kind of like counterintuitive where you you don't have to be liked by the audience to be a good speaker. When it comes to actually constructing what you're going to be speaking about, about, do you say it more for yourself or do you say it more for the audience? Because if you're not playing for them, like who are you playing for? Right. It, it, it's all about the audience. I think in this, that you know, that if there are three things we want, we want our messages to be clear. We want to be confident and we want to be able to connect with our audiences. But that clarity element is really important. And at the very heart of clarity is understanding what is the message that I'm going to share. And every good talk will take your audience on a journey. And I know that sounds really quite cheesy. But if you look at the Steve, you know, I've analyzed so many talks. and I do it in my newsletter all the time. But if you take all of the the world's best speakers, one of the things that they have in common is they will challenge the status quo. So if you're thinking, well, what journey can I take my audience on? I'd be asking you, well, what does your audience currently think about this subject? And what do you think about this subject? And the difference between those two places, that's, that's the journey you've got to take them on. You've just got to create a few stepping stones to take them from where they are now to where, where it is that you want to be. Mm. so in your in your book you had the three pillars you had the clarity as you just mentioned connection and confidence to hone in more on the clarity side of things what does that actually mean how can people kind of work on that specifically for their public speaking talks so uh, i start with clarity of purpose you know every single presentation assuming that we're talking in a in more of a working context and we're not you know doing a best man speech or best lady speech or, or whatever it is uh, there are three really main purposes for any talk. The first one is to educate. That has got to be the baseline level of success, right? Teach the people you're speaking to something new. And that might just be your own take on a thing that they already know about, right? You already know about this particular subject, but this is how I interpret it. That's like your baseline level of success. Then it's to change some the, the way somebody might think. And then the, the, the level above that is to inspire some sort of action. So the first question I would be asking myself if I had a new presentation to deliver is, well, what's going to be the core purpose? Is it to educate, change the way people think or, or inspire some action? When I've got that right, I then start thinking, well, what's the, what's the core message that I want to share? And 
you know, Ted is probably the best example of uh, of this, really. But at the at the heart of every great TED talk is an important message. If we think of Simon Sinek, stop telling people what you do, tell them why you do it. Uh, Brené Brown, vulnerability is a source of strength. Go back to politics and maybe the most famous political speech or one of the most famous political speeches of JFK, we shall go to the moon, right? So we're taking people from a place where they think that vulnerability is a sign of weakness and we're going to take them to a place where vulnerability is a source of strength. Humans belong on earth. Humans are going to get up, go onto the moon, right? That's the, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to drive people forward. Mm, that sounds really cool. And then I guess the second pillar, connection. So those, those, those three different thing, things that you, you broke down earlier, and then you move on to connection. Where does connect, connection come into this and why is that important? So here's a question for you, Sina. What, what are some of the things that get in the way of you tuning in to what someone's saying, you know, as, as an audience member? Well, like, what are your pet hates? What frustrates you? As an audience of me listening to a podcast? Or listening or to a podcast or listening to a talk? Yeah. When I feel like they're not really, they, when I feel like they don't really believe in what they're saying. When I feel like they're, you know, they don't have that passion, they don't really believe in. I can kind of tell from how they speak. Um, if they're not passionate, that that really goes with me. Is like, well, if they don't really care that much, then it's not really worth me listening. Um, I think that's the biggest one for me personally. I love that. If if they don't care, why should I? And there are so yeah. many people who actually struggle to 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 express their passion. Often, those who are slightly more extroverted can just do that naturally they've got that sort of magnetic element and those of you who those i actually think that introverts typically tend to make for better speakers which again might be slightly counterintuitive but as the introvert the, the reason why is because introverts are often better at showing why they care and at the heart of connection is can you show that you care we can break that down into well what does it mean to sound like you care and then we can look at the different ways that you use your voice or the different uh, body language gestures that you might use. But ultimately, if you can remember, this is, this is why I care about this subject. This subject matters to me because of this. Maybe you share that early on in your talk. Actually, you do the voice stuff normally and you're way more engaged, right? And, and it's when you don't think of presenting as this memory test, which it's not, and you, you allow yourself to just be in that world talking about that topic that you actually care about that's when that engagement tends to come. I think this is where maybe some people miss the, miss the mark in, in terms of they think it's more about the content rather than how you actually say the content, right? Yeah, yeah. There's so much, there's so much around just about, you know, go, I'm just going to go through the motions. I just go through the motions and the energy starts to drain. Uh, monotony is often something that's associated with really dull, boring, average speeches. And one of the elements of monotony is obviously how you use your voice and speaking robotically, but there's also emotional monotony. You know, if we think about the things that we stay really engaged listening to, it's often the things that have lots of light, but also some dark. And it's the contrast between the two that, that create this. Uh, th this memorability factor, if you like. Mm. 
So give us give us one piece of advice when it comes to generating connection. So you being the speaker, how do you generate connection with your audience and captivate them? Might sound a little bit ironic, but your use of pauses will change how an audience perceives you and how they connect with the topic that you're sharing. A lot of people find out I'm a public speaking coach. They go, oh, I speak way too fast. Always speak too fast when I get on stage. That's the most common common thing that I get. I just don't care how fast somebody speaks. Uh, some people just speak fast. And that's a great way of express, expressing passion. You need to counterbalance it with the adrenaline and so forth. But actually, for those people who, who worry about that, rather than trying to speak slower, which will just feel like you're putting on the brakes for all of the emotion that you want to express, just pause a little bit more. And you can have pauses to create a bit of anticipation just like i did there just a little pause just to before i gave you the point and then occasionally you you give people just a little bit of time to reflect just a couple of seconds to for whatever it is that's just been said to to sink in and it's the changing of energy with the use of pauses that can uh, that can just keep people listening and and engaged yeah. I think that's the I think that's the biggest thing that I notice when I when I see a good public speaker to a great public speaker is their use of of contrast. I think like the key word that you use was different speeds, pauses, volume as well. Like there's all these different ways, and also like like differences in body language and stuff like that. But I think contrast is the main thing. Um, that's the thing that people I think. And as well, like another, people just are drawn to contrast in general. Like when it comes to me editing things, I know for a fact that people are drawn more to changes in lighting or changes in some certain scenes. And I think it's just the way that we've maybe programmed. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, and actually one of the things, an average presentation will often have a similar tone all the way throughout, right? It's all, it's kind of like, you know, when, uh, I don't know, you're going to work on Monday, catch up with a colleague. How was your weekend? And they're like, oh, yeah, it was really good. Did this, then we did this, then we did this. Yeah, it was, it was great, thanks. Boring, <laughs> right? What we really want is you will not believe what happens to me this weekend. And now you're hooked. It's like, tell me, <laughs> right? We, 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 wanna, we want both of those things. And often, you know, we talk about getting, I talked a little bit earlier about getting that core message in. Actually, I think the other thing that makes a huge difference for that ability to connect with people is what is the example that you are going to attach to that message that's going to help you land that point so you might have a really good message but what's the what's the example or the story that you're going to share that demonstrates the point that you're making that can that can take it to the next level mm. and then the last one alex that i want to talk about because this i think personally that is the most important and that's confidence you can you can say things in a certain way and you could say the exact same content but with a confident stance with a confident voice and people will buy it far more than if you're saying the same thing but just like with less confidence now is is this i guess the 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 biggest thing that you work on as a as a public speaking coach because this this is, is a fairly difficult thing to to crack confidence is a is a challenging one i there are different types of confidence I, uh, I've fallen into a couple of traps with confidence in, in the past. You know, I've, I've been having to deliver talks for probably nearly 15 years now. So I'm, I'm fairly well into the game. But my confidence took a crash 
not that long ago, two or three years ago, I ended up going to therapy to deal with my confidence. I'm a public speaking coach that lacks confidence about public speaking. I mean, what on earth? <laughs> right? And so, you know, confidence is, I think the first thing to say with confidence it is it is a work in progress. It is constantly fluctuating. One day you can get up and you just, everything's just going great. You're feeling pretty confident. You're very composed. Your brain is quiet. You can go and deliver the points however you want. On another day, you might wake up, don't feel like that at all, and you have an absolute nightmare. And most people, most people, I think, fall into the trap of momentum-based confidence, which is they build up maybe two or three talks that have gone fairly well. Yeah, pretty good at this. And then eventually, they have a they have an absolute shitstorm. <laughs> they it just goes really really badly. And what does what happens to their confidence? It plummets. It goes it goes straight back down with a, like a like a sack of cards. And what you've got to realize is that your confidence is grounded in experiences that you have. And one of the questions that I often ask people to consider with their confidence, so they've got something tangible for those bad days that they can hang on. Uh, what are the uh, experiences that have shaped your perspective around the subject? Right. And if you can remember those experiences, those are the things that give you the right to talk about your subject in the way that you do. So uh, if you can start with knowing that what you've got to say is good, and maybe that means before a big presentation, you test it on someone you'd be nervous to give that presentation in front of and just get their feedback. That is, you, if they give you some good feedback, you will be going into that, that actual engagement or presentation, whatever the context is, feeling way, way, way better because you know someone's told you that that's good. You know, we often rely on the 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 feedback from and the acceptance, if you like, from others to uh, as a means of, of of building our own confidence. So maybe maybe start with that. But I think we all need to be a little bit kinder. TED is the Instagram of public speaking. You can. I've been I've been to conferences. I've run my own conferences. Speakers make mistakes all the time. You'll never see it because they get edited out afterwards. So TED actually creates this very unrealistic expectation for what a great speech is. It doesn't need to be like that. And often the often we we connect with speakers way more when they've made a mistake, right? It gives us a glimpse into the real person behind that talk. And audiences are always gonna back you. Audiences want you to do well. Hmm. And I guess, um, so from what you said, if there is one sort of key thing that people can do to work on their confidence, I know you said deliver the talk to someone that you might be afraid to deliver the talk to. What is that sort of one thing? I think, honestly, I think it's around getting clarity. I would get them to write down three experiences that have shaped their perspective. And that's there. No one can take your experiences away from you. That would be the, I think that's a re, is the start of building really solid confidence. But your confidence improves the more you do it. It's having exposure to the fight or flight response. Every single time you put yourself in that situation, just dampens down a little bit more. And then you stop, like I did for a couple of years, sky, go have to give a talk at Google, skyrockets. <laughs> right, where did this come from? I've forgotten the shaky hand thing. <laughs> right, so we all, it's, it's a work in progress. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. But 
through regular practice, your bad is is going to end up where most people's good is, and your your good is going to go to the next level. And that was that was my, actually my next question, Alex. Where you talk about shaking hands, I know a lot of people when they get on stage, they might have all the you know the best content, the best confidence. And it's like now that I'm on stage, like what are my hands doing? Do I walk around? Do I make eye contact with the audience? Like all these sort of things that you can only really do, you can only really work on by actually doing them. Um, I guess that that is a is a new experience for a lot of people. So I know in your book, you said you, there's, a, there's a few mentions of what you should do on stage when it comes to body language. So yeah, how do people combat like the awkward hands, the awkward walking? Like what what's the best what's the best thing to do when it comes to actually standing on stage? I think you need to to put yourself in this protective bubble, which is just before you walk onto that stage, and you and that bubble is essentially there to say anything that I do from now until I walk off is insane. It's incredible. It's irrelevant what faces might be looking back at me. It's irrelevant whether I stumble on my words, say um, trip up slides go down whatever it's irrelevant but i am in this protective shield where everything that i do and everything that i say is incredible it's amazing and if you can do that what that will help you to what that will help you to do is just ease off the judgment we're constantly making micro judgments on how things are going and if things aren't going the way we expect them to go, we naturally assume it's a bad thing. Maybe nobody is looking at you while you're, you know, you're three minutes into your talk, no one's looking at you, right? When we judge that, one root of that judgment is, oh my goodness, no one's listening to what I'm saying. I'm doing really badly. On the other hand, we have another judgment, which is, oh my goodness, I must be saying some incredible stuff right now because they are typing away on their phones, writing down notes, right? Same scenario, two different ways of interpreting it. And I actually don't think either of those is helpful. I think what's far more helpful is just to be like, ah, oh, interesting. At the moment, crowd's not looking at me and I kind of like them to. So I'm going to do something to, to get their eyes back up on me. And that way there's no judgment that can lead you down this spiral of doom uh, and, and also into this world of blissful ignorance, right? There are two ways that it can go, but it's a much more of a, an observational, kinder, gentler way of being present and, and assessing the room. I guess, how do you do that though? Like, I know this is probably a very challenging question, but say if the audience is not listening at the beginning, you've kind of, yeah, maybe first impressions wasn't, weren't great. How do you recaptivate them, get them back on board? Uh, seven magic words tend to work quite well. So why am I telling you this? Right, if you feel like you've lost your audience, say those words. So why am I telling you this? And then pause. And that pause will act as a life raft to bring people back. And very, very often they will look up. Wow. Right, so that's one of the ways. Yeah. Right? I've not heard that one before. But it will just bring everyone, because oh, finally you're getting to the point. That's often what we might be thinking as an audience. Finally, just, just, you're just getting to the point. I want you to, to get to the point. So that's, that's something very tangible that people can do, but it comes through feel and it comes through testing different experiences and being absolutely okay to, to fail. In, uh, when we were building the charity fundraising agency, no one knew who we were. And it was before charity, uh, so it was before um, 
businesses were using Facebook and social media to build their presence. So we'd go on to, we'd arrive on a university campus in the morning, find where all the biggest lectures were. And we'd walk into these like intimidating lecture halls, 400 seats full of students, speak to the lecturer, like, can, I've got a job opportunity. Can I shout this out to the group? And at the very, very, we do like a minute's pitch. And at the very, very end, we'd be like, so if you'd like to come along and find out more, we're hosting a meeting at one o'clock today. Put your hands up if you'd like a ticket. And they weren't tickets. We give them a flyer, but we call it a ticket to try and build the value. Sometimes no one puts their hand up, 400 people in the room. And you have to do a walk of shame out of that room. It's so awkward. It's excruciating. And even seven years in, you'd get the nerves. You'd be doing that every hour before you do your main meeting. But even then, you just get the nerves. But then on the other hand, Sometimes you get one or two people with their hands up and then a wave. It's like a Mexican wave. You'd, ha- you'd literally be giving out hundreds of tickets before the lecture kicks off. So it was, a, it was an all or nothing sort of scenario. But those, I didn't enjoy them. But those, those times where it didn't go to plan, uh, it allows you to realize it's okay. Uh, and, and sometimes presentations just aren't going to go the way you want. And that's, that's, that's okay. Yeah. And I guess like, don't let that experience or any of those experiences stop you from doing it again. I think that's the main thing is like, don't, because you said like getting confidence from the external, it's like, yeah, if it's momentum based, then that might, you know, have a a lasting scar on you. But if you kept, keep going out there doing public talks, because yeah, it does fluctuate, as you said, um, then it will sort of continue. Um, But Alex, we've run out of time. I've loved having you on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Um, how can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing? Easiest way, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Alex Merry on LinkedIn. And then you can, I, I, I'm always putting tips up there on how to use public speaking to build your brand and uh, how to improve the impact you have on your presentation. So that's a great place to start. Nice. Thank you so much, my friend. Chat to you very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Sina.